Shopify grows your business no matter how far or big you grow. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. Whether you're selling your fans' next favorite shirt or an exclusive piece of podcast merch, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Allbirds, Rothy's, Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash income, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash income now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Hey everyone, Tim Wright here along with Dr. Michael Gurian, the Wonder of Parenting Podcast, a brain science approach to parenting. So glad to be back with you for another podcast. And today we've got another great topic for you. Looking forward to it. Um, we have a sponsor that we want to call out as we do uh, every time we get together. And that's the Center Place of Hope, our good friends up in the Seattle area, Dr. Greg Jantz. And uh, it's their faithfulness to sponsoring this podcast that makes it possible for us to be with you each and every week free of charge. And so we want to encourage you to go to wonderparenting.com, wonderparenting.com, and check them out. There's a link there to the Center Place of Hope, and they do such important work. We say this every time we're on the air with you, such important work. And if there ever comes a time when you need them, they're there for you. Wonderparenting.com, link to the Center Place of Hope. And uh, Michael, I'm going to turn it over to you because we've got a special us and to our audience. Absolutely, yes, um, and that and that segues perfectly to our other sort of our other sponsor right now, which is the Gurian Institute, the Summer Training Institute, and um, and Eva will be speaking at that, who I'm going to intro, and myself and Tim will be at that. And if you go to wonderofparenting.com, folks, you'll see the Gurian Summer Training Institute there. You can just click that link, and it takes you to the Gurian Institute website and all of that. Uh, and Eva will be speaking there. So Eva Dwight is our guest today. Uh, she is the program director for the Gurian Institute. Uh, she's um, been in the school systems for, she'll probably tell you, around 30 years or just under 30 years, 22 years, 22 32. years. Okay, 32 years. She's signaling me. 32 years. And um, and then she she retired, but we are so lucky to have her with the Green Institute. She's a master trainer, program director, and has, uh, you know, such a broad background on a, a school counselor, a teacher, and also trainer, just a broad background on teaching and connecting teaching with parents and with families. Well, Eva, and so we've asked it, it really is to good to have you with us, us on that. And, so Eva Dwight, uh, we thought it would be really interesting. Glad even to though be the here. school How uh, season is pretty much wrapped up now for most of us. Uh, how, how do we keep that relationship strong? And I thought it would be interesting uh, for you to begin. You've had a lot of experience as a teacher. What Give us just a, a little overview of the day in the life of a teacher? What does it mean to be a teacher? What are the things that you do? Because, uh, you know, sometimes we think, well, teachers, they teach for a couple hours a day, they go home and they binge watch TV, they get the summers off. Huh. It's a little bit more complicated than that. 
A lot more complicated than that. And I, I did spend 12 years in the classroom. I taught junior high English and language arts for 12 years. And then I got my master's degree in educational counseling and moved into the counseling office for 20 years. Um, so for a total of 32 years, I was in the school system. And I ca the, the one thing I can tell you is there is no such thing as a day in the life because every day is different. <laughs> you mm. never know what's going to pop up. But in general, teachers are getting there um, significantly before the kids are and using that time to organize their lessons for the day. Elementary school teachers um, and, and preschool teachers almost don't get any prep time during the day. So sometimes when the kids are at band or orchestra or a music class or a PE, they might get 30 minutes of time to do some some planning. And then, you know, secondary teachers typically have like one class per day where they don't have kids. So they have about a 50 minute time to to plan, to grade papers, to um, to return phone calls, to, you know, speak to other people concerning kids they might be, you know, worried about. It's, it's like nonstop all day long. And I think one of the biggest challenges that I had as a teacher was keeping up with all of the grading because, mm. you know, elementary teachers might be in charge of 30 to 35 kids, but then I know a lot of teachers change for math or reading, they change and they're working with different kids during the day. So that really increases the number of kids they're working with. And at the junior and senior high level, you're seeing 150 kids a day usually and trying to keep up with how that individual child is doing, what they're learning, what they're struggling with, how to help them more. I think is one of the biggest challenges for teachers. And I think as a parent, it, it can be really helpful to say, my child is one of many, and my child is really important to that teacher. I really want people to understand kids care about your child. Kids care about every child that they see. And they're spread so thin that it can be very difficult to, to really hone in on challenges that individuals might be having. So I think one of the most important things parents can do is to be in regular communication with the teacher. And that doesn't mean daily, not even necessarily weekly, unless their child really has some special needs, but to say, you know, I'm going to look at your homework. I'm not going to do your homework for you. I might sit at the table while you're doing homework and, and kind of keep an eye on things so I can see what you're doing, see what you're struggling with see what I'm struggling with if I'm trying to help you with your work. Um, so that if I have questions for the teacher, I can be specific to say, it seems like my child is having trouble with this kind of thinking or that kind of reading or this kind of math. So I think the more people, parents can be tuned in to what their child's daily activities are and what they're being expected to do and using that as a framework for communicating with the teacher. And how can I, as a parent, help you, the teacher, help my child master these skills. I think that's a really important thing for parents to be able to do so that they're really tuned in to their yeah. children and they can help the teacher tune in to mm. what's necessary. Does that make sense? Mm. Yeah. I, you know, every teacher goes into the teaching business because they have a love of knowledge. They have a love for children. Uh, and I think one of the things that I never really appreciated, especially about elementary school teachers, is they have to know a lot of stuff. Yes. You know, it's one thing to be trained, say, for junior high or high school or even college, where you've got one area of expertise and you can really drill down into that. But when you have to be able to teach math and grammar and English literature and, and all the other things that you learn in school, that's just an amazing, mm -hmm. amazing 
gift that our teachers bring to the table. But at the same time, and this was always something that I think students find amazing, even parents, teachers are human beings. Mm, and so you really have a are. life outside. You got your own kids you're raising, right? And and um, how, how as for you, how did you manage to navigate pouring yourself into your students and yet having a life that was filled, I'm sure, with everything else that life is filled with, all the ups and downs that come with it every single day? And, mm-hmm. and how do you how did you as a teacher manage all of that? Um, it, it took me several years of practice. Um, I wasn't highly skilled when I first started because I wasn't. I, I wasn't aware of how much time management I needed to have. And and so I would be so tired at the end of the day that I would put off the grading and the planning until Sunday. And then I would park myself at the dining room table for eight hours. And we didn't have kids yet on a Sunday and spend all day Sunday grading papers, making lesson plans, trying to do all that at once. And so gradually I learned that I need to piecemeal that through the week and I need to decide which assignments were for practice and which assignments were more for points that I would count toward a grade. And so learning to balance that. And then gradually we did have kids. So then I'm balancing um, working motherhood and all mothers are working, whether you're staying at home with your kids or working outside the home, but, but creating that balance of saying, this is how much time I have for the job. And then I worked nonstop from the minute I got to school to the minute I left and I usually stayed late. And then when I got home, I didn't grade papers and things until the kids went to bed. So that made for some late nights um, yeah. and, and trying to balance all that on the weekend. So it's it's a juggling act like anything else, and it can be done. So I think teachers find their way with their own time management plans. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I remember when I was a kid and one of our teachers got married and just how mind boggling it was to think of a teacher getting married <laughs> and, uh, or when a teacher came and was pregnant, right? What? Right. what? Wow. Yeah. And of course, when you're little kids, you think all of your teachers are ancient, right? Cause right. they're in their twenties. Anybody over 18 looks old. Yeah. And then you, you get to be my age and you look at these teachers and you say, they're just children teaching my children, right? They look so young. Right. Uh, Michael, I, I know that you've uh, got, you, you've devoted your life to helping teachers teach. And what are some of the, the things that for you stand out in terms of our teachers and what you appreciate about them? Well, one thing I I, I think, especially in a post-COVID environment, um, yeah. you know, uh, it, that we really, really need to appreciate them. We have a teacher's, a teacher shortage right now. Um, and part of why we have the shortage, I mean, there's certainly some things are some teachers as individuals may be afraid of COVID. So yes, that, that, that does exist. 
Um, but really, most of what's going on is the difficulty of being a teacher and and more and more uh, record keeping. You know, the stuff that Eva was referring to more and more, especially if they're working with an agency in any way, then they've got all of that, all those protocols. And then all the other protocols that have been added on, some through politics, some through ideology, some through government, um, you know, they are overwhelmed and they're not really paid a lot. (laughs) So they're overwhelmed with all of this. They're not paid a lot and they have to take care of our children. Uh, so I, I and, and of course, post-COVID, our children are coming in with more behavioral issues, uh, more social emotional issues, um, which are really a result of the of, uh, of lockdown and social isolation and the trauma from that. And um, so I, I think it's a big overall appreciation for them and all that they're doing. And I think my plea right now for us as parents and for those of us just kind of out in the world who have kids going to school, my plea my plea to all of you is um, really appreciate these teachers and don't be hard on them. <laughs> I mean, obviously they're doing something dangerous to your child. Okay. But, but uh, realize that in this era right now, it's one of the <clears throat> worst times to be a teacher mm-hmm. and it's one of the worst times to recruit teachers. Yeah. Um, so I know that sounds sort of negative, but I don't know if people realize what's going on out there with the teacher shortage. Yeah, well, and I think, Go Can ahead, Eva. I, I was going to. I was going to. Yeah, I was going to ask ahead. you to comment on that because you you work with teachers now, so you've worn both hats. So yeah, what is it going on right now that you see that that's making it challenging? Well, I I I just wanted to tag into what Mike said. It is you know don't be too hard on them. What I what I'd ask pe- people to do is is assume good intent from the mm-hmm. teacher. Understand mm-hmm. that the teacher cares about your child. That the teacher is doing the best they can in some very difficult circumstances. And the goal is to help your child. So I would say when you need to communicate with a teacher, say, you know, I'm on your team. We're both on my child's team. How can we work as a team to accomplish the learning that my child needs to have or the social and emotional skills that my child needs to develop? Because if we don't have those, the academic learning isn't going to happen. So how do we help my child feel safe in the classroom, feel comfortable asking questions, um, understand that learning is a process, manage their emotions. How can I help as a parent? How can we work together? I think is the most important thing we can do when we're um, approaching teachers about things that we're concerned about with our children. So there's there's been a lot of pressure put on teachers in, in various states over mm-hmm. what they can teach and not teach. Um, and, and in some ways sort of, you know, inciting parents to come and, and be more involved, which can be both positive and negative. Um, so if a, if a parent wants, feels the need to approach a teacher, uh, and this happened for us when we had, uh, when our daughter was little and there was a mm-hmm. little issue that came up and, and we felt it was really important to approach the teacher. Um, you're a parent and you're, you've been an educator. What's the best way to approach a teacher so that you can get something done rather than it turning into sort of an aggressive, uh, for lack of better word, confrontation? I, I think asking for people's help is one of the most, um, well, helpful approaches, not to overuse the word, that we can use. So when, when I ask somebody for help, people usually want to help. So if I can approach either with an email 
or a voicemail, however you normally would communicate with teachers at your school to say, you know, I need some help. I'd like to learn more about what you're teaching with this unit, or I'd like to know more about what what you're doing with the book that the child is reading or what the choices are that my child has around this because I have some concerns around that topic. I have concerns mm -hmm. and I would like your help. I think those are two really important phrases that mm -hmm. parents can use to open the door instead of build walls because we don't want to build walls. Teachers don't want walls. We want doors open for communication. So I think going in, again, assuming good intent, teacher has my best in my child's best interest at heart and how can we work together to achieve the goal that that I need as a parent and that my child needs as a learner. Right. Mm. That is that is really helpful. Mm. Uh, I know when I was in high school, we had a, an assignment and it was a book that was somewhat controversial and my parents weren't real comfortable with me reading it. And so I went, because I was in high school, I went to the teacher. I said, hey, we're, we're a little bit uncomfortable. Here's why we're uncomfortable. Uh, is there another option? And she was very nice about it. Mm -hmm. She said, sure do this. Now, if I had gone in there and said, what are you thinking? And just really in her face, it would have been a very different conversation, right? Right. But right. It, and we both ended up winning because it was about Tim learning. And of course, she she was a, a great teacher. So um, I, I think sometimes I'm guessing because as a pastor, this happens when someone sends me an email and says, I want to talk to you, my defenses go up, right? Because mm -hmm. makes you a little worried. What do they want to right. talk about? What did I do? What did I do? Yeah. You know, they don't, especially when they say need to talk to you rather than I want like to talk to you about such and such. Right. And so I'm guessing for teachers, because you're human, when you get that email that says, I need to talk to you about my child, you know, your defenses go up. So uh, I think it's helpful for parents to realize too, that when we want to talk to the teachers, they want what's best, but teachers have been through some confrontations before. And so your, your barriers may be up a little bit. And so right. as a parent, you want to lower those barriers, what you said. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think just even being a little, you don't have to be so specific and too detailed, but just saying, I would like to talk to you about this topic. Um, I'm concerned about X, Y, and Z, but always keeping it as a, what are, what are some options that we have mm -hmm. so that my concerns can be addressed while you're also able to meet your curricular goals. And yeah. I think there are always options. And when, when teachers are approached from that perspective, what options are there? They're more willing to think of options than, hey, you can't teach this in your classroom at all. Maybe the other 29 kids in the class and their parents are fine with it. And and maybe I'm the outlier that I don't right. necessarily want this going on with my kid. Well, then we need another option for my child. And I, I had to do that um, just with, with different circumstances along the way that, you know, what's happening in the normal everyday life is not working for my child. I need something. He needs something different. What are some options we can create together? And then we collaborated. So the teacher provided some of the part of that option, and I provided some of that option at mm -hmm. home. So together, we were working with a team as a team so that my child's needs were met. So um, I think we really need to, again, approach it from a team perspective. <clears throat> so sometimes... Um, and, and, uh, my, my, I have, uh, my daughter's, both of her children have some learning challenges. So she's been very, very good about just keeping on top of it, talking with the teachers. What are you seeing? Here's what I'm seeing. What can we do? <clears throat> but the reality is that a teacher has a classroom of 25 to 35 kids mm -hmm. and you, you can't tailor make every curriculum for every single child. So those are those challenges. And sometimes, 
maybe the teacher's defensive, maybe the parent is a little overbearing, or maybe there's just not a solution they can come to. What what would you recommend a parent do if they feel like they're stuck with the teacher? Um, what's their next step? Because that happens sometimes. It's not because it anybody is bad or good. It's sure. just sometimes it happens. Right. Mm. And so I think the next avenue of of support is to the principal, because the principal is the supervisor and, and the manager of the school. And I think going to the principal, again, not with a, that teacher is a lousy person that, you know, with not approaching the principal with negativity, but with positivity and again, teamwork. I, I see this need is not being met. Um, we've tried everything we can within the confines of that teacher's abilities. What else do you have as a school that can help my child meet my needs? Is there another teacher who's teaching style is more conducive to my child's learning. And, and I think you have to take it one step at a time. And so I do think it's important that parents advocate for their kids. And, and what we do a lot with Ingurian Institute with, with the training we provide teachers is giving them lots of different ways of meeting kids' needs. So I appreciate the work we're doing there. And yet sometimes there needs to be a different approach, a different teacher, um, a, a different way of, of learning and teaching. So I'd say the principal is your next approach. And then if you're not getting what you need there, then figuring out from the district who's who's the next step up the educational ladder, but always going in from an I need your help place, mm. not a this lousy what's so-and-so right. whatever isn't, isn't going to mm. get you any open doors or open minds. So we need open doors and open minds. I, yeah, I, I think that is so helpful to, to, to see the teacher in the school as an ally, yes. not as the enemy. Absolutely. And we're starting to see a little bit of that in our culture right now where we're setting teachers mm-hmm. up. And I know some of our teachers, I, I have a, a friend who's a, a teacher here. He's been a teacher all of his life. And um, he said, man, we're, we're at a point mm-hmm. now where just a lot of us are thinking, is it, is it really worth this? Um, mm-hmm. You know, because the government's saying things and, and uh, the pay scale and, and the way parents are being told to approach us. It's getting pretty tough, and we we don't want to have less than really stellar teachers in our classrooms. That's right? very true. Yeah, and and you know the more pressure <clears throat> we put on our teachers, the harder it's going to be, as Michael is saying, to get really good qualified people in there. And yeah. um, and and our teachers, they're they're amazing people, right? Again, the the wealth of knowledge they have, the love for children that they have, it's um, huge. Right. And we, we want to support them. But at the same time, we're parents and mm-hmm. we've all been parents and we all want what's best for our child. And, you know, <laughs> this is going to sound a little crass. I don't care about the other 26 kids in that class. I know it. Right. I uh, care I about my kid. Yeah. <clears throat> and I've been there as a parent, too. So I think yeah. um, another question I would ask a teacher is what's the learning goal? What what's mm. the outcome that you want my child to achieve? And how do you, because sometimes teachers make mistakes, you know, they put together a lesson that they think is going to be a really great learning experience and it bombs because maybe that's the first time they've done it that way. And sometimes that happens because we're human beings. And so asking the teacher, what's your learning goal for my child? How did you see this lesson as achieving that goal? How could we achieve the same goal through a different avenue? My child Mm -hmm. needs to learn X, Y, and Z. How do we make sure that they do that? So they're ready for the next level of thinking the next level of performing. Um, so I think that's another conversation opener <clears throat> so that you as a parent can understand the teacher's goals were good. The lesson flopped. <laughs> right. um, 
And so that that's a learning experience for everybody. And to be able to go back and say, I'm sorry, that didn't work. What could I do differently to achieve this learning goal would be really important. One of the things I appreciate about you and what Michael, both you're doing through the Green Institute is you're advocating for our teachers. And there are, there are some, uh, systems, maybe that's not quite the right, right word, that make it difficult for teachers as well uh, in some school systems where they have to teach to a test and so on and so forth, where a teacher's priority of wanting to impart knowledge is sometimes stymied by these state regulations we have to meet. Mm-hmm. And part of what you and Michael are doing in the Green Institute and what's happened at the Summer Institute is giving these teachers, as you mentioned, these really good tools to be really effective in teaching boys and girls in the different ways that they learn. And so Eva, just give us, we're, we're going to wrap up here in a, a minute or two, but give us a couple different things that you teach teachers about how to keep kids engaged in the classroom. Oh gosh, there are lots. And my strategy sessions at the, the summer Institute are going to really um, give teachers some, some experience with using those strategies. I think incorporating movement um, is really important because if we study the brain research, we understand that the boys typically need more movement in their learning experience. And we are we might have been trained that sitting still at your desk quietly is the best way to learn. And it's really not. Actually, the best learning takes place when we're actively engaged in our learning. So adding movement to the classroom, um, breaking up the learning into different chunks. It took me a few years to understand teaching reading and English that kids didn't want to sit still for 50 minutes reading and talking about literature. So, I mean, I did, it was fun, but for seventh graders, not so much. So I learned that breaking it up into different activities every 15 to 20 minutes within that 50 minute period was really important. So I think adding in brain breaks, adding in different kinds of learning, different modalities of um, hands-on kinesthetic type learning versus verbal learning versus auditory versus just reading. Uh, the more we can mix it up for kids, the more we're going to hit different kids' learning needs and be able to um, help them grasp the information in different ways. And as we do that, we play to some kids' strengths and we strengthen other kids where, ooh, they need some practice in that kind of activity or that kind of thinking. So it's a win-win for everybody. Mm. Excellent. Excellent. I, what I, One thing I would encourage every parent to do is every year when they have a new teacher, they hand them a book called Boys and Girls Learn Differently, written mm. by Michael Gurian and some mm. of the others from the Gurian Institute, and and find ways to support. One of the things our church is doing, we're, we're giving scholarships to the teachers in our church so they can attend the Gurian Institute, so we're covering that for them. I think there are a lot of different things that we can do uh, that not only encourage our teachers, but that also help them grow as teachers themselves. And um, teacher appreciation days, sending thank you notes, um, all those things really create a much better classroom. A happy teacher is a happy classroom, right? Mm. That's so true. Beautiful. So, Michael, um, just tell us again about the Green Institute and the Summer Institute coming up. Uh, coming up, uh, just go to wonderofparenting.com and you'll see a banner there. You can click it, takes you to the Green Institute site and, and it shows you everyone who will be speaking. There are 20. Eva, I'm doing two, two talks. Eva's doing three. We're collaborating on another one. Tim's doing a talk. Uh, and then there are, you know, 13 more. Um, and they're great for uh, teachers parents, counselors. Yep. So it's going to be the three primary audiences and then everyone else connected to raising boys and girls. And it's all online. So you can catch every single talk if you want. 
Yeah, over a multi-week period, so you'll get yep. to see everything. Yeah. Yeah. So if you attend live on June 25th and 26th, then you can be a part of the the group that's actually in the live sessions, and then we'll make recordings of all the sessions available through July 10th. Mm -hmm. So whatever you missed live, you can go back and watch, or you can go back and rewatch the ones that you were actually in live, so that you can get the information right. again. So it's a yeah. really great bonus to be able to have two weeks to watch all the recordings. Well, Eva, it's been a real delight to have you with us today. Such good insights and really thank appreciate it. Thank you for having it. me. Yep. Mm -hmm. And Michael, thank you. thank you as always. Thank you. Thank you, Eva, Tim. Thanks, everyone. All we'll right. We'll be back bye -bye. with you next week. Wonder Parenting Podcast. Our family has grown. Welcome to the world, Hannah baby. Introducing a new collection, Hannah Soft, made with Tencel. It's so breathable with stretchy comfort for all of baby's first moments. And it's cool and gentle on their skin all year round. Entrusted Hannah quality for your most precious gift. Hannah Soft, made to last. Shop now at hannahanderson.com.